Welcome to Econ Cafe 2020-21. I'm Mike Mandel, author of the textbook Economics the Basics, and we're joined here today by Martha Field, co-author of Environmental Economics and Introduction. Martha, we're so glad to have you here today. Good to be with you, Mike. We're going to be talking today about COVID and the environment. And I remember when the pandemic first hit and it was the big lockdown and, and everybody was remarking on how blue the skies were, how they could hear birds chirping. We could see pictures of the Taj Mahal without pollution all over it. Talk to me a little bit about the impact of COVID on the environment, uh, both the pluses and the minuses. Yeah, it was quite an amazing time to see that air pollution move away, Mike. Essentially, I look at it and think that we were part of an expansive, unplanned experiment of a big reduction in economic activity that led to a big improvement in our environment, particularly our air pollution and also in terms of climate change. However, there were trade-offs, very similar to everything in economics, and there were many people suffered many hardships we've had, and they continue. We continue with food insecurity, job loss, and also our social engagement. We haven't been able to interact as well with family in far places and also with, with friends. Uh, globally, I believe that our carbon emissions, which feeds right into climate change, actually reduced by about 17% globally during that first uh, couple months of mid-March through April. And that, that was pretty amazing since this was, a, this was a global experiment. Now, you talked to your students at that point about changes in their behavior and their impact on the environment was. that. Talk to us a bit, bit about that. Yes. One thing we did is we looked at for my students in my spring semester class, we actually thought about how could we compare our emissions, CO2 emissions primarily, pre-COVID versus our behavior, what it was while people were in lockdown and at, at home. So we targeted driving behavior and students estimated the miles that they drove per week pre-COVID in early March, 2020, and compared that to April, 2020. Uh, and where they actually track their driving. And then we uh, used a little bit of a formula and transferred their driving mileage based on their car emissions to CO2 and found that this class had actually reduced their CO2 emissions by 76%. That's pretty amazing. It was wow. <laughs> we were surprised. The fact that people could change the amount of CO2 that they are responsible for with their own personal behavior is not something that, that occurs to people for the most part. Right. And students were quick to realize how much of a change that was in order to get that particular impact. We also discussed uh, and they thought about what their other behavior was. So a number of them mentioned how they coordinated trips to the grocery store. They only went to the grocery store once per week. And they also said that they went for some pleasure drives and the pleasure drives, they just needed to get out of the house uh, just to drive around and see what was going on out there a little bit. And they also said they drove more slowly. Primarily, there was just an overall behavior of caution that was in the air. That's amazing. Now, as the lockdown started coming off, uh, how did their behavior change? Well, uh, I also taught a summer class for environmental economics, so I repeated it. And students there estimated, again, their driving pre-COVID in early March 2020. And this time we compared it to their driving in late May 
2020. And we found that the CO2 emissions reduced by 56%. So it was less. It still was significant, I would say, but it was less than uh, when we were pre-COVID. And that fits because we were kind of coming out, things were starting to reopen again. Uh, also, too, you need to consider that the weather was probably better at that time. So people were also getting out and students did not mention the pleasure driving as much, although they did still mention coordinating in there with their household. So from the economic perspective, though, you would not recommend this type of unplanned major shutdown as the best way to address carbon emissions. Uh, <laughs> No. Uh, Yes. I mean, making some kind of allowances uh, would be helpful. Uh, We're seeing that a little bit with people working remotely from home. And we noticed that it won't fit everyone, obviously. There need to be some adjustments. But when we come out of COVID, we probably will not be going back to a daily commute into the cities or into wherever our offices are. And there'll be some kind of combination of working remotely and that. Now that counts as adaptation, right? Yes, there are actually three different ways to approach climate change that we have now. There's mitigation, adaptation, and migration. So mitigation is a reduction in our emissions, which would reduce climate change, which is what that is we experienced. Adaptation is changing infrastructure and what we can do to actually adapt to a warmer climate and how our lifestyle is going to be with that. And then also migration. And migration will just be moving people from shorelines to homes further in, particularly due with sea level. Now, one of the fascinating relationships between what's been happening during the pandemic and and the migration is that that remote work gives the opportunity for people to locate in different places than they were before. So it may very well be that we have a much wider range of thinking and out-of-the-box possibilities than we had in terms of dealing with these issues. Well, I hope so. Um, We are going to need some out-of-the-box solutions, solutions that we have not thought about. Uh, We have to keep in mind that we are still people that like mobility, and we are still people that are going to need energy. And although we have less driving, our energy has gone elsewhere. So for example, all the computer use and everything has really spurred on uh, the need for more servers and server farms. Those all take energy. So regarding when we think about the hardships that people are facing with this quote-unquote unplanned experiment of reduced economic activity, that's not going to be able to go on. And we really need to switch our view to a global approach of how we are able to furnish energy and produce energy. Is there any sort of one or two sentence takeaway that you'd sort of give to the uh, students on the economics of COVID and the environment? Uh, I guess one of the takeaways is that you're the future, for sure, not to slosh off our responsibility for that. But people and students need to think out of the box. They need to think of other energy solutions. Yes, go for greener power, wind, solar, hydro, but also other things we may not have thought about. I mean, perhaps... We could still use fossil fuels, but we need to burn them in a different way. We need to have them so they have less greenhouse gas emissions. 
maybe more carbon sequestration, maybe more carbon capture, but other out-of-the-box thinking to change that infrastructure to help us with the adaptation so we can continue with a very mobile uh, social society that we are. That's where we're going to have to be. In this podcast, we talk with Martha Field, co-author of Environmental Economics and Introduction, about COVID and the environment. Martha described how we effectively had been part of an expansive unplanned experiment. The COVID lockdown led to a big reduction in economic activity, which in turn led to a big improvement in our environment. However, Martha stressed that there were trade-offs, as usual for economics. Many people suffered major hardships, such as job loss and lack of engagement. We then talked about how Martha's students had reduced their CO2 emissions by 76% because they were driving less. But as the lockdown started coming off, students still had lower CO2 emissions, but the reduction was smaller. Then we talked about three different ways to approach climate change. Mitigation, which is reduction in emissions. Adaptation, which is changing infrastructure and lifestyle. And migration, which is moving people from one location to another location, which might be less affected by climate change. What are the takeaways for students? We are still people who like mobility and need energy, even if we have less driving. Even the servers that power our technology still take a lot of energy. The hardships of reduced economic activity are not going to be able to go on. Greener energy sources like wind, solar, hydro are great, but we're going to have to think out of the box also. Perhaps we could still use fossil fuels and burn them in a different way that leads to less greenhouse gas emissions. This kind of adaptation can enable us to continue with the very mobile and social society that we are. Thanks very much for listening.